Peace be with you. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we gather together to worship you and to give you thanks. We ask that in these moments that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our ears that we may hear from you and be formed into the people we are becoming. Bless this time for us, Father. Pray these things in your name. Amen. I'd like everyone just to take a moment this morning and think about people who have shaped your life, who have helped mold you along the way. We'll take a short moment, not too long. Got to get out at a certain time. But as you're sitting here this morning, it's likely that you can think of someone who has shaped you, who has spoken words into your life. I've had the privilege of the, over the past couple of years of being shaped by a guy named Burt Burleson, who is uh, the chaplain at Baylor now. And a lot of what I'm drawing from in the sermon is pretty much from him. But who has shaped you? Who are the people who have invested in you, taken the time to speak to you and lend their ear when needed? Maybe some of those people are sitting in this room and you can see the back of their heads or possibly glance out of the side of your eye or something. For the past two years, whenever I've preached, I've had my spiritual director's voice in the back of my head saying, Don't worry, you're never as bad as you think you are. Which is good to know. And constantly reminding me, Allow God to do the work. I can also hear the voices of other people, not in some schizophrenic type way, but I hear the voices of other people who have spoken words into my life. And I'm thankful for those people who have taken the time to invest in me to take me to this point. But who invested in you? Can you see the faces of those people who have brought you to this point in your life? Can you hear what they say to you? We're all shaped by people, and even more so by circumstances in life. Think about it for a moment. The experiences that you have have melded you into the person you are today. It's true for all of us. I would guess that many of us, though, can think of an experience of pain and suffering that we've undergone. And it's often through these trials that we are made into the people we are, whether we realize it or not. Sometimes on the other side of pain and suffering, we come out for the good, and sometimes not. And it is in these times of pain and suffering that we often ask the hard questions in life. And as someone who has served in pastoral ministry, I can honestly say that I've heard these questions many times. We want to know if we matter. We want to know about pain and why it exists. We are confronted with our own weaknesses and struggles, and we're not sure what to do with it. As a minister, we have often we often have the pleasure of hearing how people feel rather than what they're supposed to say. And it's refreshing. 
people will ask us the tough questions. They'll ask us the heretical questions. And then we try to correct and say, no, no, Jesus really was fully God, fully man. They'll ask us questions about God and how the world works. And they'll ask us question, questions about God's love because we come together week after week, Sunday after Sunday, and the world that we encounter as we go out from here does not match the world that we sing about and teach about in this room. It's simply truth. It's real on Sunday. It is there. It's a part of us. It's who we are. And yet Monday through Saturday, it's difficult to translate that truth into our lives. We sing about God's love, and yet there are times where we just don't know God as love. And we may ask, does, does God love me? And even if he does, why, why would he? We hear about God healing the blind, the lame, and the sick. And for those who worship with us who are undergoing illness and struggling through those things, we may begin to question, does God not love me as much as he loved those people? Does God not care? We sing about God's glory all the time, and we may begin to wonder, where do I fit into that equation? I'm simply human. We maybe even ask, is God really there? I can't see him and there are days where I just don't feel right. Our reality does not match the world that we sing about at church and the words of comfort to us, it's nothing new. Centuries of Christians have asked these questions. I mean, think about the Christians who have undergone martyrdom. They probably ask similar questions. I would say for our contemporary times, those people this morning who do not have a roof over their head or food to eat or clothing to wear, those Christians may ask the same things. The suffering that happens to us is usually undeserved, and we do not bring it upon ourselves. It is simply a part of living in the world, not caused by God, And we can do nothing to insulate ourselves from it. It simply is there. But sometimes we feel guilty for even asking the questions. We we don't want to say them to the people who worship next to us at church because we're afraid of what they'll think about us next week. And more importantly, who they might tell. We don't tell our co-workers because we're not sure which ones of them are Christians. And if they are, are they the good Christians? as though there were such a thing. Instead, we often ask ministers these questions. They are questions of faith. They are questions that come from pain. And they are questions that each of us is going to have to wrestle with at some point in our life if faith is going to become something more than what we do and become who we are. To hear people who are honest about their struggles, who are willing to lay them down, is to hear people who are on the path to God. Because inauthentic, inauthentic people do not grow into the divine. Life does not always make sense, and it can be difficult to live with the hurt and the pain. And if we paused for a moment this morning, and we asked for a show of hands, or a nodding of heads for people who have hurt in life, we would see the witness, the people we worship with, that we are gathered with weekly, who know about pain. 
We would hear about dreams that have been crushed, destroyed, that are no longer there. We would hear about relationships that are broken, splintered, shattered. We would hear about those who have lost loved ones. We would hear about childhood memories, painful, difficult things that we have gone through. And we prefer not to dwell upon them, let alone talk to one another about them. And the worst part about the pain is that most often it's just unnecessary. There seems to be no reason for it and there's suffering that is just built into the fabric of the world and it's just needless. There seems to be nothing behind it. And if God cared, surely God would fix these things. Surely God can make sense of the nonsensical. Even where some of us are going to refuse to go to God with our hurt and pain. Because there are other people in the world who do suffer so much more. So rather than, than tell God about what's really bothering us and what we're struggling with, we'll carry it with us. And there are people who are suffering a great deal more. I had to, to take the tags off my suit this morning and, and eat breakfast. Okay, I was not suffering for clothing. I was not suffering for food. And yet there are those of us who will carry within us the hurt and the pain from years of walking. The amazing part about God is that He not only cares for those who do not have, but He cares for each of us. He cares enough about you. Even as you may sit here a little worried, maybe where the sermon's going. A little worried about how you're going to get everything done this week. That God cares enough to hear what's hurting you. And that pain isn't new. It's not as though God is all of a sudden surprised when I get angry, or I'm hurting, or I'm sad. It's not something new to God. But will we trust him enough to let go of those things that are harbored within us? The reality is that God's love is for you whether you want it or not. It is there. It is simply a part of the world, never to be grasped or boasted in, but to be lived into and out of. The reality is that God is love, and God's love simply is. And for the Christian, we know that it is love that brings meaning to our lives. It is love that can bring order from chaos. And that is what Paul is reminding us in this passage. He is assuring us that God is continuing to work for good no matter what life throws at us. We do not always see it, but Paul himself is convinced of this very fact. But it's not something that can be stamped on a bumper sticker, stuck on the back of your car, and we can honk if we agree with it. This statement is not a trite platitude. It's an understanding of how God works in the world. And the Roman congregations that Paul is addressing, they need to know these words. They need to know these words because they live next door to the emperor. 
They need to hear these words because Roman troops tromped through the streets collecting taxes, keeping peace through violence as though that's possible. And they need to hear these words because the people that they worship with will soon become nightlights at Nero's dinner parties. And they need to know that the God that they worship can somehow make good come from brokenness. They need to know how great the love of God is, and that is exactly what Paul writes to them. Paul is able to see in in almost two different ways as he writes this passage in Romans. He is able to see the reality that surrounds him, the power, the violence, the chaos of the world. And he is able to at the same time see the God who works in and through this world. He is able to see the God that has called him on the path of Christianity, the God who has saved him. And he knows that God is working with him And for him. He has a dual perspective. There is reality as we see it. And at the same time, there is God working in our reality, never abandoning the created world, always working in and through it. And Paul can see it as it mends the hearts of those who are broken, as it repairs the cracks of our broken humanity, as God is picking up the pieces of the mess we can make with our lives and make something better. That's what we claim as Christians. That the God that we worship week after week can do something greater. Even with us. God is the one who is able to make sense out of the jumbled existence that uh, that is us because the divine love envelops our lives in such a way that we can begin to see the path. We claim as Christians that even in the midst of all the hurt and the pain that surrounds us, God can work for good. And we claim that even in the midst of our own pain, our own brokenness, God can bring better. It took Paul a while to get there. He didn't get this two days after he became a Christian. He wrote Romans a little later in life, towards the end. And he he began to see things differently. He had a different kind of wisdom. He, He knows and has experienced the love of God that is flowing constantly from the Trinity, that is undergirding the very foundation of the world in which he inhabits. And he knows because his own life is a mess of success and failure. He has to reconcile a God who is love with a world that does not always reflect that love. And somehow Paul does that in this passage. Paul is one who converts thousands of people to Christianity. And suffers from the thorn in the flesh. Paul is the last apostle, capital A. And yet he's beaten 40 minus 1 on multiple occasions. He loses countless friends on missionary journeys as they cannot simply reconcile and go the same way. Do you wonder if as Paul was walking, he questioned God? He is hailed as the greatest missionary in the history of the world. 
And he is one who was shipwrecked, stoned, and left for dead. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand this morning. Whether you're a staunch Calvinist or a staunch staunch Armenian, I care not. This is the reality of the scripture that we read. It's not about God doing all or us doing all. It is about coming together with God and working for something greater, a Calmenianism, if you will. It is the reality of Scripture and it is the portrait that is painted of us and the mystery of God. And to be overly dogmatic is to miss the beauty of the Scripture that has been left to us, that forms us into who we are. God works in us We work with God. Synergy, the coming together, and it is only through God's love that good can come from the pain in our lives. And in the end, when we cannot see it, it is God going beside us, helping us to fit the pieces together, moving us closer to his presence. And it is then that we can begin to see the web of people, events, and experiences in our lives that have created us to be something greater, that have created us to be something good. We claim as Christians that the God who created the world still acts in love with it, and that the God who cares for all of humanity cares for each of us. This passage is an assurance to us. It's not something to simply slap each other with or or throw our faces, throw in each other's faces. It is a promise that we are safe in the love of God and that nothing in all of creation can separate us from the reality that God's love is there for us. This passage, however, is not a cop-out. It's not our chance to say, okay, well, that's good. See you later. It can only be lived into. And it is to say that pain will come and we know that in the midst of chaos, God can work some good. And though we might not see it, we know that the hardship we undergo matters. And more importantly, we know that we matter. The hardship can form us and create us into a called people who draw closer and closer to God. We are being formed But the pain is there and it is real and it's not simply something to be dismissed. It is something for us to be honest about. As Christians, we know that when we ask questions of pain and suffering, we are participating in God's love working in and through us. And when we ask these questions, we can hear God's words to us through people and experiences that have formed us. And we can know that neither life nor death, not ours or the ones we've loved, neither angels nor demons, those forces that are outside of us, or those forces within us that wage battle, Neither the present or the future or powers, not our mistakes or the world's frenetic pace, not our failures or the world's volatility, not our sin or the world's corruption. Neither height 
nor depth, nor anything in all of creation, nothing you can imagine, nowhere you can run, nowhere you can go, nowhere you can fall to, no matter where you are, nothing can separate you from the love that is known and revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us pray. God, in whom we live and move and have our very being, your love helps us to live in a world that does not always make sense. And you come alongside us and you take what we offer and you make it something greater. Help us to be a people who allow this love to help us see and feel. Help us to be a community that continues to be formed into you. Help us to be those who know We are loved by the one who gives love. Amen.